I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Time distortion because things slow way down when you're high. But that's all still experimental. In the meantime, some regular marijuana users like Abby McLean are scared to drive for fear of failed blood tests. I haven't gone out really since then. Because I'm paranoid to run into the same surprise. Uh Uh-oh, there's a DUI checkpoint. A checkpoint that for McLean could mean potentially thousands more dollars in attorney's fees to defend herself. For NPR News, I'm Stephanie O'Neill in Los Angeles. And I'm Ben Marcus in Denver. And this is Morning Edition from NPR News. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. Details at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a leading health insurance provider will expand its coverage in the state under the Affordable Care Act. Then the Mississippi National Guard gets a new commander. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on integrating the Girl Scouts in the state and previewing in-depth coverage of Mississippi Power's Kemper County Energy Plant. They're asking Mississippi ratepayers to take on another $3 billion probably in capital costs to run this as some type of hybrid plant where you can run it on natural gas, or if you're not running it on lignite, but if the, that part of the plant's not running, it's switched to natural gas. The cost for doing that is going to be astronomical. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The State Insurance Commission has given Magnolia Healthcare's and better approval to expand into all 82 Mississippi counties under the Affordable Care Act. This will put Ambetter on the list of providers throughout the state under the ACA. The expansion offers welcome counterpoint to the decision announced earlier this year by United Healthcare to pull out of the ACA marketplace in Mississippi at the end of December. Bob Williams with the state's insurance department tells MPB's Evelina Burnett having a choice of providers is good for consumers. United Healthcare uh, came to the commissioner in April and indicated that they would be pulling out of Mississippi, and of course not just Mississippi, uh, really uh, majority of states across the United States. And this was based on the fact of their losses that they had sustained in the federal marketplace, uh, close to $1 billion over a two-year period. And how did that affect what was available in the 82 counties of Mississippi? The effect that it was going to have on starting January 1st is that then instead of there being three carriers in the state, 
which were Humana, United, and Ambetter, which is part of Magnolia Healthcare, it would go down to down to two carriers. And what you would find across the state is that in some counties you would have just one carrier. In other counties, there might be two carriers. The fortunate thing for Mississippi uh, at, at that time and when we got this news from United is that our consumers would still have some choice for the federal marketplace in all 82 counties. How, how would there still be some choice? Because there are other places in other states where United Healthcare pulled out of the state and when they did, there was not another carrier in that particular county. Oh, I see. So okay. those individuals were left with no coverage at all, no way to obtain coverage on the federal marketplace in that state. Whereas here in Mississippi, we at least had one carrier in in the county. And so our consumers here were not left without a way to actually enroll in the federal marketplace. So now there's some some news. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about what you all announced? Magnolia, or Ambetter, who were, uh, was presently covering 50 counties in the state, made an application to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. This application was to provide coverage in all 82 counties. Uh, the problem was CMS had written back the carrier and said, we find that your network is inadequate in certain counties in the state because you do not have specialists. Where the commissioner came in is that under our regulations and laws, we have the ability and do every year, we do a network adequacy review of companies that are doing business here in Mississippi. We had conducted a network adequacy review in connection with Ambetter, and we found knowing our state like we do, that their networks were adequate. What we knew that CMS did not know is that in certain counties that are more rural, uh, you're not going to have specialists. They may be in the next county over, but you're not going to have a specialist in some counties, but just because of the demographics and where it is, there's not a hospital, and we knew that. And that's one thing that we went back to CMS. The commissioner went back and said, look, I've done this network adequacy review we know our state, and we have given Amber approval network-wise for all 82 counties. Once the commissioner had done that, then CMS said, fine, Ambetter, uh, it's great for you to move forward and to cover all 82 counties. Is there now a second carrier in every county in Mississippi? The great thing is is that there will be, Ambetter will be covering the state. Uh, there will be a second carrier, which will be Humana in some counties, um, but in some counties, you still will just have Magnolia. But there will be counties where you'll have a choice between Humana and Magnolia. Now, before this, were there some counties that were not going to have coverage at all? No, no, you said that, that no, there fortunately, wasn't. Fortunately, we were not in that position like other states where United Healthcare had pulled out. Uh, we All the counties were going to be covered. The great thing now is, for instance, uh, let's... Let's take the Delta. Let's take Washington County and Bolivar County and Sunflower and Humphreys and LaFleur, uh, where it was only Humana. Now those counties will have a choice between Humana and Magnolia. Also, some of the, the coastal counties like Hancock and Pearl River were, only had Humana. Now they'll have a choice between Humana and Magnolia. So this is going to be very beneficial to those consumers in those counties. Now, how many counties did... Magnolia cover before 
And now they're now they're becoming all eighty two, right? But right, but they were covering they were covering fifty counties before, okay. and now they'll be covering all eighty two. What kind of difference do you think it makes to have Magnolia expanding like this? What what kind of difference do you think it'll make to you know patients and also just to the marketplace as a whole? Well, it's always great to have choices, and um, you know that's one of the things that the commissioner is is all about is the consumers and them having choices, and uh, so. The fact that these counties that I just named off are now going to have two choices of two carriers for the federal marketplace is is a plus for them. MPB's Evelina Burnett with Bob Williams of the State Insurance Department. In other news, the Mississippi National Guard is under new command this week. MPB's Paul Boger reports. For 35 years, Lieutenant General Augustus L. Collins served in the Mississippi National Guard. For the last four and one half years, he's acted as Adjutant General, the state's top military officer. But last week, General Collins stepped down and retired. He says it's bittersweet. Anytime you you move on from something that you've done for so long, in my case, 35 years, it's it's tough to leave uh, because you always leave a part of you back. Collins began his career in the Mississippi National Guard in 1977 and served in operations Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and Iraqi Freedom. He was also the first African-American officer to attain the rank of general in the Mississippi National Guard. Replacing him is Major General Jansen Boyles. Also a longtime service member, Boyles says recent active duty experience has prepared him for the job. I have been on active duty for a year, and I got to serve with uh, NATO. And I learned a little bit more about organization than, than I had used in my previous commands. And uh, so I'm ready. I'm ready because I've been on active duty for a year. And so I'm ready to just continue serving on a full-time basis with the Guard. Governor Phil Bryant appointed Boyles Adjutant General of the Mississippi National Guard in July. Paul Boger, MPB News. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on integrating the Girl Scouts in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Two new TV series about the complexities of black life are being produced by African Americans, and our TV critic says it makes a difference. We don't honor our father by having strangers serve those grieving. We serve comfort food to those who need comfort, and we do it with our own hands. Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and Donald Glover's Atlanta, next time on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. As a young teen, Cassandra Scoval fell in love, but but not the way you might think. It was the Girl Scouts that captured young Cassandra's heart. That relationship with scouting has endured nearly 50 years. She experienced the integration of white and black scouts during the civil rights movement, and while some were uncomfortable with the move, Cassandra's commitment never wavered. Cassandra Scoval was interviewed by her best friend, Peggy H. King, 
when they both visited the StoryCorps mobile tour in Mississippi. What in your life inspired you to be a Girl Scout? Well, it was just a haphazard thing. Uh, Someone invited me to come to their troop, and I went with her. From there, it was just love, love of Girl Scouting and love of camping. Tell me something about you being a Girl Scout at 14 years old in Macomb, Mississippi. What was that like? Well, we were an all-black troop. Uh, My Girl Scout leader uh, was Leatrice Stern. And we would go to her house. And so Mrs. Stern had this wonderful English bulldog. And we would play with that dog. (laughs) We would drive that dog crazy. (laughs) She would teach us all kinds of things, not only camping, but etiquette and how to be a lady, how to eat right. And then we would go outside and build a bonfire. So we had from one extreme to the other with Mrs. Stern. What? in your life really inspired you to stay in Girl Scouting after the 12th grade? Well, after the 12th grade, I went to the University of Southern Mississippi. And before going there, I was a camp counselor at Camp Wahi in Brandon, Mississippi. I just loved it. I loved being outside. I loved looking at the girls that come to camp year after year after year because I was one of those girls, too. Are there any funny stories that your family tell about you when you were in Girl Scout? And I know you've shared some with me before about staying at camp all summer long. Well, my brother, which is Cyril Washington, my brother and my mother and my neighbor and her daughter went to Camp Minnehaha in Clinton, Mississippi. I had been waiting the whole time. I was already packed and ready to go. And my neighbor, she was at least five years older than myself. And so we were out there, and it was just love. I saw those tents out there and the trees and the wide open, and it was all good. As the week went on, I didn't even see my neighbor because I was so into what I was doing at Girl Scout camp. Just loved it. Well, I came around the bend, as my brother said. About two or three shades darker from being out there in that sun. And he said, I saw them, I waved at them, and I turned around and went back. But they picked up my neighbor's child because she had cried because she was homesick. So you were never homesick? Never, never. You, You never decided that you were afraid of the dark at any time? No time at all. Loved it, loved it. Once I found out and made friends with the Britton family. It was Dr. A.B. Britton and his entire family would be at camp. If my mother couldn't bring me to camp, I would catch the Greyhound bus from Macomb to Jackson. They would pick me up at the Greyhound station, and I was off the camp many ha-ha for the summer. And all I had to do was go to their house on Friday night, wash my clothes, turn around, get in the car with them, and head back to camp. Did you have any kind of emotions or feelings when Camp Minnehaha, which was all black Girl Scout camp, closed and we integrated the Girl Scouts in Mississippi with the Girl Scouts of Greater Mississippi, which is in Brandon, Mississippi? What were your emotions then? Well, from our troop, our all black troop in Macomb, a lot of the girls just faded away. Their parents were afraid for them to be in an integrated camp. And I I do understand when I look back at it now as an adult, why? 
Macomb, Mississippi, in the civil rights time and in all the integration, it was a bombing capital of Mississippi almost. As for our pastor, which was Reverend Ned Taylor, three of the four of his churches were bombed. Several businesses in our neighborhoods were bombed. My mother and her sister, they actually had to sit outside of their homes in order to protect them with guns because of all of the integration issues and black and white issues in Mississippi. So, of course, parents were afraid for their daughters to be in an integrated situation at camp. But I convinced my mother that it was going to be okay. And for me, it was. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Two new TV series about the complexities of black life are being produced by African Americans, and our TV critic says it makes a difference. We don't honor our father by having strangers serve those grieving. We serve comfort food to those who need comfort, and we do it with our own hands. Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar and Donald Glover's Atlanta, next time on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. The new MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Hi, I'm Sharita Brent. On In Legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPV Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The power plant being constructed by Mississippi Power in Kemper County is meant to usher in a new energy era. The energy utility started the immense project with the endorsement of Republican Governor Haley Barber and Democratic President Barack Obama. The plant was meant to provide jobs for Mississippi and hope for clean burning coal technology for the world. Now the plant is more than two years behind schedule and more than $4 billion over its initial budget of two point. $4 billion. MPB TV's new show at issue is providing an in-depth look at the clean coal plant in Kemper County this coming Friday at 7.30 p.m. We spoke with Mark Rigsby, producer of At Issue, about this complex story. He tells us Friday's episode represents a change in At Issue's mission, which traditionally was covering the legislature while it's in session. What's different now is that the rest of the year, at Issue will be a news magazine and will continue to focus on critical issues fa- facing the state of Mississippi, but those issues are outside the Capitol. Will they be one topic generally? Normally one topic, yes. All right. So the first one is focusing on the Kemper County Power Plant. For 
many viewers, many of our listeners, they think Kemper County, where's that? And why should I care about what happens there? Sure. Uh, Kemper County uh, is in the eastern part of the state. It's about 30 miles. uh, The plant is 30 miles north of Meridian. Okay, And if you look at it on a map, it's really out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, But that's for a a certain reason. The focus is on the power plant, the Kemper County power plant. Why? Well, this is a fascinating story for three reasons. Kemper has promise, it has disappointment, and it has uncertainty from our perspective. The promise comes in that it's expected to provide electricity to approximately 190,000 customers of Mississippi Power. Currently, it's running on natural gas, but it also has this crown jewel, clean coal technology, uh, which there is an, an abundant natural resource right next to the plant, lignite coal. It can be mined out of the ground and then put through something called a gasifier, which the coal is then heated up to temperatures up to 1,800 degrees. There's a chemical reaction process where then something called synthetic gas is made, or syngas. That gas is used to power a turbine, and the turbine makes the electricity. Now, also in this chemical process, uh, carbon dioxide is captured, and the emissions of sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxides, and mercury are reduced, so that doesn't go into the air. That's why it's called clean coal That's technology. why it's called clean coal technology. And of course, um, this knocks on the door to the whole climate change argument. Is this sort of a pilot program? I mean, are there other clean coal plants in the country? The disappointment has come in that the plant is a few years behind schedule, although the plant announced that it just recently started producing syngas, uh, and it should uh, be up and running. The clean coal technology part of the plant should be up and running, producing electricity by October 31st. That's good news. Uh, But it's billions of dollars over budget. It was originally proposed as a $2 billion-plus plant. It's now more than $6 billion, heading towards $7 billion. And finally, the uncertainty is who will ultimately pay for the the budget overrun here. Who did you talk to for this episode of At Issue? Well, if you go online and you just Google Kemper County uh, Energy Facility, it seems like everyone has an opinion. First, we talked to Public Service Commission Chairman Brandon Presley, who voted against the project when it was approved by the PSE back in 2010, because really, it had not been fully planned out at that point, And there was also a lot of political pressure to get this project moving so it can meet a deadline to get federal tax credits, which never happened. Uh, We talked to Patrick Sullivan, who's the president of the Mississippi Energy Institute. And uh, when it comes to the Kemper bashers that are out there, and there's many of them, uh, he's just basically saying we shouldn't be so critical at this point because this is a long-term investment. Uh, I also talked to Ian Urbina, who is a reporter for The New York Times, who just a few months ago wrote a a, a very critical article about what was happening and what is happening at the Kemper facility. We spoke to him on Mississippi Edition as well. Yes, yes, I remember that. And I think the most interesting interview that we've done so far is with a man named Brett Wingo, who is a former project manager at Kemper. He's claiming that the project was mismanaged and he has basically become the whistleblower. You know, he doesn't like being called a whistleblower, but um, he believes strongly that the public should know about what he was observing behind the scenes. Uh, I have some sound from our Brett Wingo interview I'd like to play now. He believes the technology the clinkhole technology will work because he's one of the guys that uh, designed it. But he also believes the plant will be too expensive to operate. Listen to this. You see a future where they could shut down this quote-unquote experimental part of it and just operate it as I don't, that? I don't, 
just suspect that future. I, I absolutely believe that they will have to shut down the coal gasification side after they've run it for a few years because with natural gas prices staying historically low with no you know projected increase in sight uh, and with the huge capital cost that you're talking about, uh, they're asking Mississippi ratepayers to take on another three billion probably uh, in in capital costs to run this as some type of hybrid plant where you can run it on natural gas or if you're not or run it on lignite, but if the that part of the plant's not running, it's switched to natural gas. The cost for doing that um, is going to be astronomical. This show at issue debuts on Friday, this coming Friday, at 7.30 in the evening. Now, there's also a web element associated with the show? Yeah, um, we wanted to be transparent in what we were doing with each topic. For the Kemper topic, we have compiled an, an entire basket of information. And what you will see in the TV version of, of the program is selected sound bites for television and so that it will go into a half an hour program. However, what we decided to do is put the entire full length interviews that we have conducted with everyone that we talked to on our website, as well as additional information and links to what others are saying about Kemper and what the company is saying about Kemper. That can be accessed where? Uh, that can be accessed at mpbonline.org slash issue. And I also wanted to point out something I, I didn't mention earlier, and that is we will be heading to the Kemper County Energy Facility for a tour with Mississippi Power, and I will be interviewing one of their vice presidents before the show airs. So that will also be a part of the show, just to make sure that all of the information that we are presenting to the viewers, the readers, the listeners, is accurate, fair, and balanced. Again, At Issue debuts Friday at 7.30 in the evening, and we've been speaking with Mark Rigsby. He is the executive producer of At Issue. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. If you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, search for Mississippi Edition.